there. Hey, welcome back. Week three of our series called Level Up. Hey, in this series, we've been talking about what does it take for us to get to the next level, right? As we're following Jesus, how do we take that next step to become more like him? Now, uh, I don't know about for you guys, but it's been a lot of fun for me doing this series, right? Anytime that you get to talk about video games for, for an entire series and relate like a following of Jesus Christ to like video games, that's awesome. I'm like, that's so cool. Yeah, some of my guys are on on the heads. The girls are like glass stares at me right now. It's good. I'm glad you guys are, I'm, li- I'm glad the guys are with me right now on, on this particular piece. But uh, it has been a lot of fun uh, using that to help us navigate this series. And as we began this series a couple weeks ago, um, we met a guy named Peter. Now, Peter was one of the guys who followed Jesus, walked around with him for three years when he was a young man. But, but so Peter, Peter now, um, he's not a young man, he's actually an old man as he's writing this letter that has everything about um, what it is that we need to know. In fact, he's, um, most people think that he's about to die in Rome, in prison, kind of like Paul had done before him. And he's writing this letter to all Jesus' followers. And he's trying to help them to know some of the things that he's learned um, over his lifetime of stuff. And as he began the letter, and as we began this series, we talked about the word basic faith, right? Basic faith. It was kind of like the tutorial of a video game, the place where you learn how to do all of the movesets and all of the things that it takes in order to, to begin the game and to play it. Peter says this is basic faith. And basic faith, we defined it this way, as the gospel. And the gospel is the story of Jesus, right? His birth, his life, his death on the cross, his resurrection, and the fact that one day he's returning. And it's that story and how that story then is interwoven and impacts the story of me or the story of you. And that is the gospel, that's the basic faith. It's the, the starting point for everything. Um, it's the foundation from which we can level up. And then last week, last week after we had established that, we said, well, what's our response to this basic faith? What is, what is our responsibility in all of this? Are we supposed to do something? Is there something that we have to do if this is what's been given to us? If basic faith is given to us, then what? And we said this, that it is our response and our responsibility to grow. It is our response and our responsibility to grow. We're supposed to add to what it is that's been given to us. We're supposed to supplement it. By the way, uh, we talked about this idea, this supplementing idea, as being generosity and sacrificial. And that's what we're supposed to respond with because that's what was given to us. Now, we didn't preach about generosity in order for you guys to give more at the church. Sometimes a, a pastor will be like, you know what, giving's not really good at our church, so we're going to talk about generosity. But I want to just take a moment for a quick side note, because we talked about generosity and our response to the generosity that God's given us to be generous, and then you guys went out and did something that absolutely blew me away last week. You see, we had the single greatest offering in the history of our church given last Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. You see, what that tells me is is that 
you're not only hearing about generosity, but you're allowing God to transform generosity inside of you because you didn't give because we talked about money, but you gave because of what God has already given to you. And that's why we give. And I was blown away. I didn't have that expectation as we talked about all of this that you were going to turn around and say, you know what, he's right, and I'm going to give like I've never given before. And it blew me away. We had the single largest gift ever given in the history of our church. But then on top of that, even without that single largest gift, it would have been the best giving day in the history of our church. And all I have to say to that is go God, right? It's awesome. So, sorry. Side note on that, I'll come back now in, because today we're going to continue on in our series, and we're going to be seeing what the text talks about, about what we should be growing. If our response and our responsibility is to grow, what are we supposed to grow? How are we supposed to do it? And today we're going to jump in and answer some of those questions. So if you've got your Bibles, open them back up, Second Peter chapter 1, we'll have it up on the screen as well starts in chapter, or excuse me, verse 5, and it says this. So don't lose a minute in building on what you've been giving, complementing your basic faith with good character, spiritual understanding, alert discipline, passionate patience, reverent wonder, warm friendliness, and generous love. Each of those dimensions fitting into and developing the others. With these qualities active and growing in your lives, no grass will grow under your feet. No day will pass without its reward as you mature in your experience of our Lord Jesus Christ. Without these qualities, you cannot see what's right before you. You'll be oblivious that your old sinful life has been wiped off the books. Let's pray. Father, as we come today to talk about what it looks like to grow in you as a response to what it is that you have generously and sacrificially already given to us. God, I pray that we would walk out of here ignited and excited about doing the things that it takes for us to grow, to respond in a way that is appropriate to what you've already done for us. God, more than anything, I pray that it would not be about me, but it would be all about you. In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. All right, when my wife and I first got married, all right, we played an MMORPG, all right? Now, that's a lot to say real quickly. An MMORPG, we played a game called City of Heroes, right? Now, an MMORPG, I can't say it, all right? It's hard to say that. All right, it is a multimedia, massive online role-playing game. In other words, there are thousands of people who get onto, at the time it was a computer, now they play them on their cell phones, all right? And they would, they would be from all over the world playing this one single game together. Now, you've probably heard about some of these sorts of games before. Maybe you've heard about one called EverQuest, right? It's one that exists out there. Or one that's even a little bit more popular that even had a movie made after it, World of Warcraft. Both of those are um, MMORPGs. They're people that are from all over the world that get on and they play these games. And the way that you get stronger as a character is, is that you complete some quests, right? Some sort of missions about what it is that you have to do. And so we 
my wife and I, we had our characters. I, you know, had some stacked buff dude that I had created on there because that's what I look like in real life. So I wanted to make sure that I was well represented in the game. And she had some little small pink suited um, character that was cute and um, like super fast and could do all kinds of crazy things. And so we, um, w- we enjoyed playing this game together. And I remember um, one particular mission. I think I remember this mission so much because it took us like a a month to complete this entire mission. And the mission was that we had to build this satellite in order to thwart Dr. What's-His-Name. I don't remember what the guy, the evil doctor's name was, but Dr. What's-His-Name, right? And so the, the whole campaign kicked off, and we now knew that we had to go get all of these parts because the initial storyline had been given to us on, on what it was that was going to happen and the locations of some of these different items. <coughs> and so we began to go track down the different items to go get them. By the way, my wife's character, while I talked about mine was all buff, my wife, um, her character used guns. And she was really, really good at using them. And early on in our marriage, I came to a very firm decision. There were going to be no guns in my house. (laughs) It was just a self-preservation methodology off everything. I just wanted to make sure that we all understood that she's good at using guns. So we... um, We went in and we began to go track down the satellite pieces. Now, the thing that was interesting is it didn't matter what order you got the different pieces in. You could go get this one, I don't know, a carburetor. I don't know what they were. It was a long time ago, all right? But we went and had to go get this one piece right here, and you could go get the rocket fuel from over here. And it didn't matter which one you got in what order. But as soon as you would show up to go get one, of course, Dr. What's-His-Name's evil minions would all show up and you'd have to begin to attack them and beat them up and blow them up or use whatever other superpowers you, were, you had in order to defeat the enemy. Now, slowly and surely we began to get all of the different pieces of the satellite and we began to put the thing together. And finally, we put the entire satellite together and evil Dr. What's-His-Name showed up. And we had to battle him in order to prevent him from destroying the satellite. I think actually he was going to steal it and it was going to become his new evil weapon of whatever choice and blah, 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 blah. And so he's there. And I think we lost to him a couple of times, as a matter of fact, as we were going through all of our storyline. Finally, though, we beat him. And as we beat him, the rewards were heaped upon our, our two characters. We got all kinds of gold, more gold than we'd ever seen in the entire game, and cool new gear pieces, and lots of experience and leveled up. In fact, one of the reasons that I remember this particular mission so well is that with all of the experience that we gained by the end of the mission, we had maxed our characters out. Effectively, we had beat the game. And my wife looked at me and she said, you know what? I don't think I've ever beat a video game before. And I was like, well, you rocked this one. She did. It was awesome. You know, in this text, Peter gives us seven different qualities, several different supplements that we're supposed to go and get, that we're supposed to add to our basic faith. He said that they are good character, spiritual understanding, alert discipline, passionate patience, reverent wonder, warm friendliness, and generous love. And then just after he drops the list of these seven different things, he tells us that each of these develops and fits into 
the other one. Now, I think that there are a few important things for us to note before we dive into these different supplements. Here's the first one. There's not some magical order, right? Similar to how we built that satellite, we could go get any of those different pieces. It didn't really matter as long as we got all of them, right? The satellite would come together if we had all of those different pieces. It didn't matter what order we got them in. There's not a magical order here to leveling up. You don't have to do one and then the next. And everything, though, starts with basic faith. It's the starting point. It's the, the place that everything builds on. It's the foundation that without it, you can't build the other pieces. Now, we're going to talk about these items in an order, right? Because, first of all, it's going to make logical sense as we go through to talk about them in an order. In fact, you're going to see that Peter had some logic in how he built them and how it was that they fit into and developed one another. But I just want you to understand as we get ready to start that eternity does not hang in the balance about doing these and following these in a sequential or a magical order as you go forward. That brings me to the second thing that I think that we need to note as we drop in. That is that you don't have to master one trait in order to move on to the second one. Now we tend to think this way, don't we? That we do item one first, and then we do item two next. At least that's how normal people think. They think orderly and neat. But as a person who has self-diagnosed ADD, I appreciate this one a whole lot more, right? In fact, once I had a, a boss who had me do a time audit. You ever had to do a time audit before? A time audit is when you have to keep track for um, a certain amount of time. Our timeline was two weeks. They had to keep track of what we did every hour of the day, and he had it broken down into 15-minute increments. I think I broke it down into five-minute increments because what I learned and what he learned was is that I would work for five minutes on one project, and then I would work for five minutes on another project, and then I would come back and do this project in the middle for five minutes, and then if I felt like it, I'd go back to the first project and then back to the second project. And he looked at me at the end of two weeks, and he said, Charles, how in the world do you ever get anything done? And I looked at him with a straight face, and I said, all at the same time. (laughs) So I'm very thankful that this is not the case, that we have to master one of these before we can move on to the next. Um, But you know what? It's not really just good news for me. It's really good news for you, because when you think about these items that Peter listed, it's really impossible for us to master being good. It's impossible for us to master knowledge. Those are impossible things. It's impossible for us to master having patience. And so I'm so glad that the case is not that we have to master one before moving on to the next, because if that was the case, then every day I would fail and have to go back to level one. I have to start all over again. In fact, Peter says it's really kind of the opposite. Not that you should develop just one before moving on to the next, but he says all of these, right, all of these play into and naturally build on the others. And that brings me to the third thing. These disciplines do not negate or replace relationship. 
These disciplines don't negate or replace relationship. Now we're going to see this as we talk about the, the first one even more here in just a moment. But it's so easy, so easy to become focused on how do I just be good? I'm going to make good choices. How do I gain knowledge? In fact, in the second century, a little bit after Peter had written this, there was a whole movement of people who said, hey, listen, it's all about knowledge. You need to gain as much knowledge as possible, and that's what will change your life. It's all about knowing. They were called the Gnostics. It's the same word, gnosis, right here, right? And so, but that's not the case, because when we do that, we neglect something. We neglect the relationship with Jesus Christ. We were not saved right? We were not saved to pursue a product instead of the producer. We were not saved to make products or to be a product. We were saved so that we could produce and have relationship with the producer. In other words, we were saved to have a relationship and be able to give glory to God. Here's the last thing. Our growth of these traits results in something. Our growth of these traits results in something. It results in entrance into God's eternal kingdom. Right, now hang on, time out. Don't mishear what I'm about to say, okay? Growing these qualities does not guarantee your entrance into eternity. Basic faith already does that, right? The gospel, what Jesus did, already guarantees entrance into eternity. But check out what Peter said. He said that your growth in each of these will keep you on a firm foundation. The ESV translates it this way. It says it will keep you from falling. You ever known somebody who was a Jesus follower at some point in their life and later on? In fact, we just watched it in the news this week. Some big time Jesus followers who wrote books and had thousands of people who were following what they were saying about how to follow Jesus stepped away and said, I don't think I believe that anymore. It's sad. You know what Peter says? He says, you want to know how to keep from falling like that? You build these things. You build these things, and it'll keep you on firm foundation and keep you from falling. Well, as we dive into the seven supplements, I, I want to give you kind of a framework that one commentator gave that I, I really liked, and he suggested that this list of seven qualities could be broken into two different sets of lists. The first four being about our relationship with God. And the last two being about our relationship with each other. So the first four are about growing our relationship vertically. And the last two are about growing our relationships horizontally. So with that in mind, today we're going to tackle those first four. And next week we'll tackle the last of the list. So what was the first thing that we're supposed to add to basic faith? Well... In our text today, it used the word good character, right? VSV translates it as virtue. This is the same word that Paul uses in his list. If you've ever seen Paul's lists of what a, a fruit-bearing 
Jesus followers should look like. He calls them fruits of the Spirit. It sounds kind of fruity to me, but, you know, he calls them fruits of the Spirit, and he says they're peace, love, joy, goodness. Goodness. It's the same word right here. In fact, it's also the same word that just earlier in the text, in fact, we talked about it a couple weeks ago, Peter used. Peter talked about goodness being given to us. And the word here is erite, erite. And it means moral excellence. It was a Greek word popular with Greek philosophers. And they would use this word to describe anything in nature that fulfilled its purpose. And when it did that, it thus was virtuous or excellent. So think about it like this. A tool. If you grab a tool and that tool worked correctly, then that tool was virtuous. It was excellent. It did what it was supposed to do. If a field, if it produced a crop and yielded a, a, a great amount of food, then that field and that crop was virtuous. It was excellent. It did what it was supposed to do. And as a Jesus follower, our purpose is to glorify God. Now, to be clear, to be clear, true virtue or goodness in the Christian life is not polishing up our human qualities. Isaiah, he wrote in the Old Testament, he lived before Jesus and before this kind of goodness was given to us that Peter talked about. He said this, he said, all of our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. Are like a polluted garment. Some translations will say this, they'll say it's like filthy rags. You see, these rags were the rags that would be wrapped around a leper. The person who had boils on their skin and pus that was coming out, and these rags would be wrapped around them in order to try to keep that infection from spreading all over the place. And so Isaiah says, listen, our righteousness, our good deeds is like offering God these medical waste bands. Who wants that as a present, right? So our righteousness doesn't come from our goodness is not our own qualities on these sorts of things. Peter says that it's true we've been given goodness, right? You are now good. In fact, we talked about this last week when we talked about what salvation is. It's both justification and sanctification, justification being that we are now cleared. Our name is cleared of all of the wrongs that have been held against us, any place where we have sinned and fallen short of whatever God's standard is. In fact, let's just bring the bar down a little bit, right? Sin is just bad stuff. It's the bad things that we do. We don't even qualify it against God because we all know what sin is. When we see it, we know it. we like, that's bad, that's no good. And so we've been given this sort of goodness that we're cleared of everything. But if we've been given goodness, then why in the world does Peter tell us to add goodness to our lives? Why are we supposed to be morally excellent? Why are we supposed to look like that? If it's already been given to us, then how can we possibly add to it? Paul says this, 
when asked about this question about aren't we just good enough already, Paul says that even though we've been given grace, we should not continue on sinning for the purpose of increasing God's grace. You see, Peter understood that if God is good, then we should be good too. Not just something that is given to us, but in fact, it should be something that we are striving for. But I think there's something else at work here. This last week, as I was reading news articles and just trying to stay afloat about what goes on in our world, National Geographic dropped an article that caught my eye. It said, did you know that the banana tree is, or the banana is one step closer to disappearing? Now, as a major banana pudding fan... I got nervous. So I began to read this article. And I discovered that there's a fungus. There's a fungus that's been in Africa and it's been attacking banana trees for years and years and years. And that they've known about it and they've watched what it does to the banana tree in Africa. And so they have been working very diligently to prevent this fungus from making it over into the Americas and getting into the banana population in the Americas. And just this last week, they discovered that the fungus was now in Colombia, in the banana population in Colombia Now, I was very nervous about this. A fungus that gets into it, does that now mean that we cannot eat bananas? Is this going to taint my bananas? And what was interesting in the story is that they said that that the fungus is actually not harmful to humans. And as the fruit produces, even if the tree has the fungus inside of it, it says it doesn't really affect anybody. I was like, well, then why is this such a detrimental thing? And said, the problem is, is that you don't know that the tree has the fungus for a really long time. So the tree becomes infected, and for a year, two years, maybe three years, the tree continues to produce fruit like a normal tree. But two, three years down the road, as that fungus increases on the inside of the tree, eventually the tree stops producing fruit. Doesn't kill the tree. The tree is still there, still standing. But it's no longer producing. And as I read that story and had been studying on our our text for today, I couldn't help but make the same association with our own lives. You see, as sin comes into our own lives, most of the time, nobody else knows that it exists inside of us. And we can continue to produce fruit for Jesus. We can do things that look good on the outside and people can go, oh my goodness, that person looks so amazing as the sin continues to grow inside of us. Until one day, two, three, 15, 20, I don't know how long, years later. With all of that sin inside of us, we quit producing You know, the thing I thought was interesting is that the banana tree didn't quit being a banana tree. It was still a banana tree after the fungus was in it and it had rendered it ineffective. And the same is true for you and me. Peter's saying, listen, you need to strive for doing good and good things and putting good things into you and putting good things out of you because if you don't, if you allow sin into your life, and begin to allow that to come out of your life, it won't be long before 
you won't produce any more fruit. You can still be a Jesus follower. You just won't look like one to anybody else who knows you or sees your life. It would be hard to distinguish you different from all the other trees. John said this in chapter 15, quoting Jesus. Jesus said, I am the vine, and you, you are the branches. Whoever stays in me, that's what the word abide means, stays in me, and I stay in him, that's the person who will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Hmm. So the first thing we have to do to grow is begin to do good things. You say, well, Pastor Charles, how do I, how do I know what's good? Well, Peter answered that. He knows the answer to that. He says, here's what you add to, to, to goodness, knowledge. Now, this is different from the word we saw a few weeks ago, which was epigenosis, right? This is just gnosis. And this just means to learn or to gain knowledge, to learn or to gain knowledge. In fact, usually it's talking about this idea of like book study. You're like, wait a second. Peter says that we're just supposed to like book study. What are we supposed to book study? What book should we possibly focus on that would help us to know what to do good? I don't know. Anybody got any ideas on this one? The psalmist, he wrote this in chapter 119. He said, I'll praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. For how can a young man keep his way pure only by guarding it according to your word. So God's word, that's what and how we are to learn more about what is good and what's not. It's by spending time reading God's word. Peter says the only way that you're going to be able to do this, the only way that you're going to be able to learn and gain this sort of knowledge is by adding discipline. In other words, Peter says, I get it on our own, on our own accord, first of all, we're not good people. We don't do good things on our own. On our own, we don't have all the knowledge there is to know what is good and what's bad. And on our own, we're lazy, generally speaking. On our own, we don't like to sit down and say, you know what I'm going to do today is I'm going to read for 15 or 20 minutes what's in God's Word for the purpose of knowing what is good and what's bad. We don't like to do that. Why? Because that's adding discipline in. Well, Pastor Charles, earlier you said it was about relationship. I did. You're right. So don't allow this to become legalistic and negate the relationship. But relationship happens inside of this discipline. I love David, the same guy who wrote Psalms 119 a little bit later on. In verse 11, he says this. He says, I hide your word in my heart so that I won't sin against you. And then skip on down a little bit, 98 and 99. He says, oh, how I love your law. It's my meditation. In other words, he thinks about it all day. And check this out. He says, your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, and it is ever with me. So Peter says, here's what you do. First, you begin to develop goodness, and you develop goodness by growing in knowledge, which comes from spending more time in the Word. 
Very quickly, I mentioned just a second ago, don't let this become a legalistic thing. Let me tell you one of the ways that is the, I, I, I think it's a trap straight from the devil. We begin to say, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be disciplined. I'm going to spend 15 minutes a day reading my Bible. Pastor Charles said that was a good idea. I am going to tell you that's a great idea. And so tomorrow you go home and you sleep in a little bit. And so you say, oh, man, I missed it this morning. I didn't get up and do it. Everything was crazy in my household. I'll do it tonight when I go to bed. You go to bed that night and you forgot all about it. Oh, next morning you get up. It's okay. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make up for it. Right? So I missed yesterday's 15 minutes, so today I'll do 30 minutes. You know, I really don't have 30 minutes right now. So here's what I'll do. I'll do that 30 minutes tonight. Tonight comes and goes. You don't get to that 30 minutes tonight. Man, I am terrible at this. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make up for it. I'm going to do 45 minutes tomorrow. I'm going to set my alarm clock a little bit earlier. A little bit earlier comes snooze. And before long... You get to this huge list of makeup time that you think you have to have with God that you're like, that's just so enormous. I could never possibly do that. How could God ever want me to do that? He didn't. All he asked was for you to spend 15 minutes of that day. He understands if you blow it, if you don't get it, if you mess up somewhere along the way, it's about a relationship. Listen, if I don't call my dad for a week I don't just get to skip the next week and be like, sorry, Dad, I missed last week, so I'm just not going to call you this week. He's like, no, call me. I miss you. I just want to talk to you. We don't have to make up for last week's time. Just call me. Let's talk. My Heavenly Father is the same way. He says, just, I want relationship with you. And yeah, it's going to take discipline on our part in order to develop that relationship. And yeah, we may have to sacrifice something somewhere in order to do that. But God says, that's how you grow. Spend time with me. It's how you're going to know. Spend time with me. It's how you're going to figure out what's good and what's in my heart. He says, spend time with me. And then Peter takes it one step further. Dadgum him. He says, he says, passionate patience after that. By the way, if you ever want to know the most dangerous prayer to ever pray, just pray for patience. I promise God never fails to answer that prayer. If you're curious about if God is really answering or hearing any of your prayers, just pray for patience. And watch as all things go crazy after you do that. You're going to be like, God, I'm done. I don't need any more patience. You've given me enough of it this week. Peter says, passionate patience, add it to all of these things, long-suffering and endurance. In other words, doing it once is not going to change you. It's not going to grow you. It's a start. It's a great thing, but it doesn't get you to the next level. Doing it twice, and that's even better. Peter says you need to be patient. Same way that the kids that are going to be up here in just a few minutes, I have a picture of my little baby who's now two and a half. And I'm trying to figure out how she got to two and a half and so big. But you know what? It didn't happen one day. Just didn't change. Oop, there it is. It wasn't like a butterfly who like comes out of a cocoon all new all of a sudden. It was slow. It was patient. It was methodical. And God says, I work the same way in your life as I'm growing you. Be patient. Be patient. 
And what's cool is Peter says, if you add those four things together, and I'm going to drop on the fifth one, but we're going to come back to that one next week. He says, if you do all of that, he says, the result is godliness. You'll begin to be transformed to look like Jesus. It's the goal. So we level up. It's not more glory for us, but it's more looking like him. So how do you become more like Jesus? Peter says it's pretty easy. First of all, you be patient, you be disciplined, you read your Bible, and you do the right things. And as you do that, you'll slowly be transformed into the likeness of Jesus. But pastor, where do I start? If I'm going to read my Bible, like you said, where do I start? Do I like go back to Genesis and start like in the very beginning of things? You could, but it's a long time till Jesus shows up. And if I'm supposed to be looking like Jesus, and somebody wants to know where to start, you know what I'm going to tell them? Go start with the story of Jesus. The books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're great. But if you're like me and you don't have a long attention span, go to Mark. I love it. He continually says, and immediately. I know that something fast is about to happen. <laughs> and immediately. I love Mark. He's great. Matthew takes 28 chapters to do what Mark does in 15. That's a great place to start. You know what I love? Is that as Peter started this whole list of everything, he said to us, don't delay. Don't wait on getting started on adding these things to the basic faith that's already been given to you. He says, start today because you've been given something amazing. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you for this message about what does it look like for us to grow? How do I do this? What am I supposed to be adding into my life? And God, I'm so thankful for Peter, uh, a guy who walked with you, a guy who talked with you, a guy who knew your heart, sharing that us coming to know your heart will help us to grow to be more like you too. God, we just continue to give you glory and honor. In your name we pray. Amen.